Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, DJs and DJs of the future. This episode of the podcast is supported by Doing the Damage, the only DJ pool focused exclusively on house and dance music, supplying the best remixes, bootlegs, mashups and exclusive promos from their global network of DJs, producers and labels. Check it out now at doingthedamage.com. You can find more episodes of this excellent podcast, including fantastic chats with James Hype, Ben Hemsley, Lefty, Vanilla Ace and Tim from the Utah Saints and so, so many more. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify and on Mixcloud. Simply search Felix Leiter in the house. In this episode, I talk to Nadia Lucy about her incredible journey so far. Starting out in the northwest of England, she was a keen MC before turning to the dark side and getting some decks. We hear about a holiday that changed her life forever and some of the interesting characters she met along the way. Nadia talks us through those early nerve-jangling gigs and has some insightful takes on social media from the perspective of a female artist. I loved her dream gig lineup and the playout track is a must listen. So, let's get into it. Felix Leiter's in the house. The podcast about DJs, what they do and who they are. Nadia Lucy, welcome to the show. How are you? Hello, Felix. I'm really, really well this morning. How are you? I'm good, thank you. We are obviously... Facing up, I guess, to the um, next six months of 10 p.m. closes. Um, don't know, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm feeling pretty down about it. Although we're both smiling at each other. How's what's your thoughts about the next six months and stuff? How's that going to affect you, gig wise? What what are your thoughts? It's it's going to be a difficult one, to be honest. I mean, I've had it's been um, a few of my gigs have been cancelled at the moment um, due due to you know not being able to keep it safe for, for people to come down so it's been a bit gutting but I've just thought to turn it into a positive and just try and use this time now um, for me just to carry on making music and hopefully getting it out ready for next year really um, I'm hoping that the festival season will come back and everything will be booming again fingers crossed yeah I think it's a funny one because um, I, I know that like over the summer this year I've sort of like dragged my heels on a few records that should have been released um, shh <laughs> and because I was that, I don't want them out. And then I've got like, and I guess everyone's the same. And this is what I'm going to ask you. Like, I feel like now I'm piling up all these records waiting for next year. And I just wonder if like every producer in the world is, is like just on the 1st of January, like 2021, they're going to send out 100 demos to every label in the world. So what's your kind of like, have you got a plan or what are your thoughts? Like, you've read I was think I was thinking about this yesterday. I was in the studio. I'd done another track, and I was just like, I really like this. And I, I sit on my tracks all the time. I don't know about you. I'm always thinking, oh, I'll save it for this. I'll save it for that. And I always get in trouble saying, just get them out, Nadia. Get them out. Um, but this time, I'm just now. I'm thinking about next year. It's really, really difficult, isn't it? Because there is no clubs. There is no big festivals going on. You don't know what's going to happen now with with the national lockdown coming again. If there is going to be one. Um, so it is difficult because I thought I need to keep that momentum going um, with, with music that's come out. So it is it is a difficult one, but I'm going to keep releasing. But I think I might just save these uh, these diamond ones for next year. I think we have that. We all have that. Well, I say we all. I speak as the royal we DJs, but like I think we all have that worry about people forgetting about us. Do you know what I mean? So we're like, how do we keep our 
profile going when we can't put pictures of us up doing these big gigs and stuff and then it's like because but it's funny because i don't think anyone will forget about us in three months if we don't put out a record but we're all the same aren't we we're all kind of like what content can we do and that's why you know one of the reasons why i do things like this which gives us a chance to put some content out which isn't music which gives us a chance to talk more about ourselves in a way that maybe people not everyone would know about us um so let's let's dive in and start the podcast where we always do, which is Nadia. I'm going to take you right back, way before DJing, um, way before um, you know, even kind of probably buying records, all that stuff, and just go right back to where you remember your first inspiration of music or your first hearing of music. Was it a parent? Was it a friend? Can you remember like what sort of genres it was that were getting played in the house or the car? And just I want to take you right back to being a young kid and those first times that you ever remember hearing music. What was it and where was it? Yeah, um, funny some funny stories here. Um, my uh, family are very, very into the music, so I was brought up with. It was quite a different uh, generation. I had my mum playing all the Motown stuff, you know, Michael Jackson. Um, I was really into Michael Jackson. I used to write all his lyrics all the time. I remember doing um, the World song and writing all the O's and all the A's on pages, trying to fill it up. And um, then I had my brother who was into his um, hard house. You know, we had Lisa Lashes blasting. Um, Te- uh, re- really hard stuff coming from one end of the house, really sm- smooth stuff from the other end of the house. Um, so it was really good for me just to listen to all different types of music. I'm, I'm into so, so much. Um, I've got a wide wide range, um, which, which I thank my family for, really. I do I do uh, thank the family for all the, the music taste that they had. I think a lot of DJs, I mean, I, I would struggle. I'm mean, doing, I don't know how many, 30, 50 episodes of this now. And even over my life, and most of my friends are DJs are in some way connected to the music industry. And I don't think I know any DJ, and this might surprise, like, you know, if you're a young kid and you, you're into techno or, you know, and you're into these really cool techno DJs, everyone that I've ever met just loves all kind of music, every DJ, I mean, and takes inspiration from all kinds of areas. And, you know, and I watched, like, you know, you watched, I watched a little Jamie Jones thing when he went back to East London or South London or whatever recently. And all these guys are in record shops searching for old funk and soul. And so it's like, I think, yeah, it's not surprising to hear that that you draw inspiration from, you know, from a vast array of music. Um, and then as you sort of getting, getting older and growing up in this house, and I think, like, Older siblings, I think, is always a really important factor in stuff like this, especially for the more club side of music. Um, but can you remember that first piece of music that, like, that was yours, that, like, you either bought or was given to you? And, like, I don't know if it would have been a CD or if it would have been, like, a bit of vinyl or if it would have been a mini disc or it might even have been a digital thing. But can you remember that first bit of music that you chose, you know what I mean, for the first time and you felt like it was yours? Yeah, I mean, it was it was HMV actually, and I went in and uh, I ended up being able to get hold of the Eminem, uh, the Marshall Mathers LP, when I was very young, and um, it was my first piece of music that I had, even though I wasn't supposed to have it, but I had it, and um, I remember putting it in um, into the CD player. And it come up with that service announcement. And I remember my uncle running in and grabbing it and taking it out. And I was absolutely gutted. And I thought, that's the first piece of music that I've been able to get hold of. Um, so, yeah, that was the first one, really. Because um, I, I really enjoyed doing rapping and stuff when I was younger. So I have had a massive wide range. I, I used to love freestyle rapping to people um, all the time. So it started off um, with rap, really, um, what I really was into. Um, so, yeah, it was it was an Eminem. 
I never got that CD back either. <laughs> my, my, um, my, my friend Dan, shout out to Dan. I have a word podcast with Adam and Dan. He's like a comedian, but he's, um, he's from Preston and he does this great, I used to do this great bit on stage about um, getting the, the new like NWA album and stuff. And his mum would come upstairs, you know, going, what's this, Danny? Like, Niggas with attitude. <laughs> it's just, she was like, I don't think this is acceptable. But yeah, it's funny the stuff that, that you listen to. Um, and then we go to like, the next thing that I want to take you to and like, and, and think about this, because it's, it's a funny old question now, especially where, where we are and how long we've been doing things. But can you remember the first time that you were aware that somebody like was a DJ, like whether you saw them DJing, whether, I mean, I don't know if your brother had decks or whatever, but can you remember the first time that you were just aware that it was sort of somebody's job to be mixing records? And again, I'm being super, I know you know all this, but I'm being super plain about it because there is a point in our lives when we don't know this. Do you know what I mean? Especially like when we're going back to that point, because I think it's a lot easier now because I think kids grow up knowing Calvin Harris and Joel Corey or whatever. But at the time, you know, in the past, it wasn't always as obvious. So where do you think you were first exposed to a DJ? Was it Radio 1? Was it an under 18s event? Was it a friend? Like what, what, what are your memories of that? See, my memories, I do, you know what is really strange? My, my brother always told me afterwards, like when we were younger, he used to have some uh, techniques and I, I, I never even knew. Um, and I was like, oh, why didn't you pursue it? And I was speaking to him about it. But I started to see it um, on, on uh, with Lisa Lashes because my brother was into it so much. So I used to see her mixing records. And as that went on, um, I used to go to events um, in the local area and I used to watch the DJs there. Um, it, it, it was crazy because it was all completely different back then. You know, we had the vinyl records and um, it, it was a mad experience to see. And I used to try and get on the mic at that point. I used to try and do because we used to be like uh, the, the the MC events and stuff around here, um, which I was brought up with. So it was um, it was it was mad to see. But as it progressed, I mean, I'm sure we're going to go on to this. So I, I will I will leave that actually until until you ask me where my influence come for the decks. Yeah, I was going to say. So so the first things when you say the events were these were these like underage events that you were going yeah. to under 18s, yeah. Um, and so tell me, because I'd love this story. Tell me about if you have a memory of, if not the first one, just like one of these sort of first events that you went to. Because I'd love to, yeah, just tell me about kind of a memory of one of these very first events that you went to of these under 18 sort of like raves or parties or whatever you would call them at the time. Yeah, it was a it was a crazy one. Trust me, we'd 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 all met up at the bus station, all, all the kids there, and do you know you used to have a little bit of twenty twenty and stuff. Let's go, let's go. Here, here it comes, walked in, and um, it, it was. So where was this? Where was this? Where was this? Burnley, good old Burnley. Right. Um, I was brought up in Burnley, so the events here was quite different. There was um. It was really into the um, donk sort of uh, generation. Wigan Pier stuff, yeah, like the Wigan yeah. Pier kind of stuff, yeah. Um, so everybody was, ah, they loved it. So I remember we all used to meet up at the bus station and, you know, everyone had a little bit of a 2020 or whatever they could try and get hold of. And we used to go in and it, it, it was crazy. It was that feeling, you know, that dance music, that I used to love it, the goosebumps that I used to get. Um as a child, you know, with the vocals that they use in the Wigan Pig, you'll always see them being remixed and stuff because the vocals are just, I can't explain how amazing they was with the donk factor and that. So I had some really, really good times um, down those under 18s. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that I could tell you that's not appropriate for podcasts, but it's yeah. all appropriate. It's all appropriate, baby. <laughs> it was a crazy, crazy time, but 
Yeah, it, it's mad how that influence. Um, you know, I, I look back now and I just I just think it definitely did influence me so much listening oh, to all that music. Yeah. Even it's not something I'd play now. Um, but yeah. Oh, no, I, I mean, I've mentioned it a few times and I'll never get sick of mentioning this on the podcast. I mean, I was in a, in a, in a bonkers. They were the first things that I would have got as a 14 as a year old, like the bonkers CDs and stuff. And um, and recently, like whatever, last year, um, when we were allowed, I did a gig with with Ben Nicky, but it wasn't. But after Ben Nicky, Darren Styles was on, and I was just not bothered about Ben Nicky at all. I was just like, it's Darren Styles, and I had my like Paradise and Dreams vinyl, and I was getting it signed, and like so, because I, I grew up in in Carlisle, which I mean isn't that near Burnley, but we used to come to, like with the football, we come to Burnley, and so I'm I'm sort of aware of that big influence of Wake Wigan Pier at the time, and like Ben T and that sound. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a little bit of me that just wanted you to hear, hear you sort of speak about that now because we've all missed that feeling, I think, for the last six months. Do you know what I mean? That feeling of, of walking in somewhere and getting excited and, and do you know what I mean? I mean, obviously, I've, I've been DJing and, and producing and promoting events for years, but like I always, and it's funny because this time of year a lot that this used to happen around freshers and around September and, you know, and often like I'd be doing, you know, whatever, 10 gigs in a fucking row in freshers or something like, you know, for the last 10, 15 years. And you might be getting to that like eight or ninth gig of, of the run. And on the way to the gig, you'd be feeling tired and everything else. And you'd, I'd have to talk to myself and go, but there's going to be kids walking into this club for the first time. Maybe not the first time in a club, but especially if they'd come from a smaller a smaller a place. You know, no disrespect to Burnley, but, you know, if you come from a smaller place like Carlisle or wherever and you go into the digital for the first time or the academy and there's 2,000 people there. And I was like, yeah. to some of these people, that's going to be that feeling that we remember from from our childhood. So, like, you know get yourself up for this one because it's going to be massive for people. And um, yeah, there's definitely a bit of me that wanted you to hear you talk about that, just to remember that feeling because we've, we've all missed it for so long. Um, so obviously you go to these events and at this time, and don't, I'm not trying to take you off course here, but it's just interesting to hear your story because everyone's is different. At this time, do you think you're a little bit more into the MC than you are the DJ? And are you watching the MCs, paying a bit more attention to the MCs than you are at the DJs at these very early points? Yeah, yeah, I definitely was. I was, because um, I've been brought up, you know, listening to Eminem, and I was really good at freestyling. Um, so everybody used to say, come on, Nadia, come on, Nadia, get up, get up. So I used to be with the lads on the mic, um, and I loved it. I loved it because obviously... When you hear a lot of MCs, especially with the Wigan Pier, you know, you never heard females. So I was just like, right, give me this mic. I'm going to tear you up. I loved it. I had all these 14-year-olds around me. Um, some of the lads, you know, taking the tops off, thinking they're, they're really big, like, donkeds and stuff. It, it, it was brilliant. But um, I love the music, love the music. But, um, yeah, I was definitely more into the MC and sort of stage when I was when I was that age. Has that, has that changed with the... Um... Has that changed with the female MCs? Do you think? I mean, there's a big, there's a big thing around here which I, it's not a scene I've ever massively been into. I, I used to sell a bit of Makina when I had a record shop, but there's a big scene in the northeast like with Makina, and obviously it gets gets quite. It's getting even more exposure now with Patrick Toppin playing the occasional bit of Makina and stuff like that. But I've never seen, um, you know, I'm sure I might get a text or a tweet or whatever, but I've never seen a female Makina. MC has, there, has any of that changed on the donk scene even over the years I know you're not part I know that's not where you are now but have you noticed that, that there's been a change uh, have you seen any more female D- MCs coming through I have you know I haven't at all um it's it's a crazy one as well because I, I have heard some good, really good MCs. I mean, you know, you, you get the good um, female MCs in London, which are incredible. Um, I love listening to the freestyles um, on radio, one extra and stuff like that. The female talent is is 
raw. It's really good, but never on the donk scene, um, okay. which is a strange one, really. Um, so then, so then, let's let's move into, I guess, that transition. So, at what point were you? Because if you, because I guess, if you are MCing, you are stood next to the DJ. You sort of seeing what they're doing. There is a level of interaction in the timing, and you know what I mean, the flow and all that kind of stuff. Sorry if I'm using the wrong lingo. I'm not an MC, but what, at what point did you start to become? a little bit more interested in the DJing? Was it an instant thing? Or did you really persist with the MCing for a while? Like, what was the kind of, like, movement within that area at that age? So I carried on I carried on doing, like, the freestyling. Um, I was turning up to different shows, um, different open mic nights and stuff like that, um, doing competitions. So I, re- I really enjoyed that time um, doing that. But it's when I went over to Ibiza that it hit me that, no, I actually want to be a DJ. I love the music. I followed DJs around Ibiza. Oh, I absolutely have the time of my life. I come back and I was like, I need some decks. Let's. So, what age it. is this? So let's, let's so let's pause this. So, what age is this? What time? What at what point did you go to Ibiza? What sort of age were you? Like, I don't, you know, give me a year, give me an age, whatever you want. But I just want to try and fit it into the timeline of your life. What's what point was this first visit to Ibiza? Yeah, so I was about twenty-two when I went to Ibiza. For the first time, see, I'd, I'd gone to Magaluf and stuff like that beforehand, and then I was when I when I opened up to a beef, I was like, oh my god, this place, the music, you know. I started listening to um, when I was younger as well on on the thing. I started li- loving trance music, you know, listening to Silence Delirium stuff like that. Really, really goosebumpy sort of um, music for me. I which absolutely- is a, which which is a natural, I think, a natural progression from the harder side of stuff, whether it be hard house, whether it be donk, whether it be whatever. Because I remember going through that phase after sort of bonkers of like diving faces, liquid people and PVD for an angel and like that kind of, because I think it feels like, like you say, you're still really getting those goosebumps and that feeling. And I do think it feels like a natural progression. So I guess that's the sound that you found in Ibiza a little bit. Yeah, yeah, loved it, loved it. You know, even just when you hear insomnia and faithless and all that sort of stuff, I was just, it, it was just full of euphoria that I felt through myself. It's just that, that goosebumps, you can never take it away with music. You know, even people that um, don't DJ and stuff, and when, when they listen to the music and they get that feeling, it's just, it's it's undescribable. It's amazing. So um, that's when I started feeling, wow, you know, I, I could play this music to people. And then I start because... I'm taking it back, sorry. I keep thinking no, about fine. guidelines oh. because I actually did music at uh, Burnley College as well, so I was okay. young then. So that's when I started. Um, so I knew a little bit about music production. Yeah, so that's that's so that's my fault, really. So let's 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 take it back. We know where we are on that line, and we'll come back to it. So let's but let's take it back because I think that's really interesting. So obviously, you're emceeing pre deciding to do this music course at Burnley College, like you're emceeing at open mic nights and stuff that you said. Um, and was there anything, was it a really easy choice to decide to do music at Burnley at college? Or was there, um, was there something else that was in your head? Was there another vocation or another career? Or was it, was it re- a really simple choice to do music? And what was that? And what was that course? Was it music production? Was it music theory? Just talk us through it, because I think that's a really interesting part of your journey. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, in my head, um, obviously, I, I knew that I had to do something for a career rise full time. So I wanted to be a firewoman. So I did go into Burnley College uh, doing public services. 
Um, I didn't last too long, to be honest. Um, when I was there, I realised, oh, my God, look at the music department. It was a studio. Um, you know, they had all the little computers set up ready. And I spoke to the music tutor and I went back the year, following year after. Um, and I started music production. Nice. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, it was really good. Um, I did. I did a full year then. Um, I had a bit of personal issues going on. I was. Um, I had my grandma ended up having a stroke, um, so I ended up taking care of my grandma full time. So there was a lot of personal issues backing me up from from what I wanted to do um, when I was younger. Um, so I, d- I didn't end up finishing that course, but I did do a full year at Burnley, and I really, really enjoyed it. And like and, I say, and I- how did you? And how did you find it? Because that must have been. That must have been one of the one of the earlier music production college courses that was going on. Like, what sort of software were they teaching you on? What sort of stuff? This is just out of my interest, really. Like, what sort of things were they teaching you? What sort of software were you using? Can you remember? Like, yeah, tell us a little bit about that first year. Just not so much the social side of it. Just yeah, what what they were teaching you and what they were showing you. It was. I remember doing just the basic drums. I was just showing you how to put a kick drum. Then you you know you clap your hi hat. Um, and it was just showing you on a level, but I, I, I don't know if it was called Cubase or something. I'm just trying to Cubase, think. Cubase, yeah, called. yeah. I think Cubase was the. Yeah, I think like I think I mean I think there are obviously still people obviously who use Cubase, but yeah, any time that I've seen anything or spoke to anyone about an educational setting, it seems to be Cubase. So I, I don't yeah. know if if they did some sort of deal with an education authority or whatever, but every time I speak to people, it's all in an education setting. It's always Cubase, yeah. um, which is interesting. <laughs> It, it, it was it was good. I really enjoyed, um, you know, making stuff. It was it was so it was so interesting to see how, how it actually worked. Because obviously, you listen to music don't you, all your all your life, and then when you sat there and you think, "Wow, this is actually how we do it," and I, and I was I was really really interested in it. I absolutely loved doing it. Um, you know, it was teaching you, you know, the synths and basses and um, all sorts. We had we had actually people in the uh, class who was doing live music, so they was you know keyboards and drums, and so it was really really good just to have a wide range um, and seeing how it all worked. And I really really enjoyed doing that first year of that course. I seen my I think... music tutor not so long ago actually. I went into Burnley College and he was showing me the new setup and how amazing it is. So we're now on Logic and we've now got a big studio system. And it was like, come and have a look at this. But yeah, were you playing were you, were you playing them some of your some of your current stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he loves me to bit. So give me a big hug. He was like, I'm so proud uh, of you. That's well nice. Yeah, I think it's funny when you talk about them showing you stuff. I think I was always like a bit upset as a kid when I found out that music production was really just about maths. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I thought it was all just magic. And it turns out it's just like four, eight, sixteens, thirty twos. But um, yeah, so so obviously then there's a... So, you still so let's yeah so let's move on to like so we're going to Ibiza. Can you remember like was there was there that kind of like golden Ibiza moment on the dance floor of Amnesia or something? Was there that point? Can you remember who was playing? Can you remember what's you know like that? Was there that night when you really had that moment that sort of I guess begin began to change you from that that donk scene into that trance scene? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was from the donkey to the trance. Um, so we started listening to a lot of, um, you know, there was Judge Jewels, um, yeah. all, all that kind of, uh, Dave Pierce. Um, I remember watching Dave Pierce in a beef. That was unbelievable. I forgot where it was now. I'm sure it was on, um, is it, it, it wasn't called, it, I, I'm gatecrasher, was it? There was something else called on uh, San Antonio. Um, it's not there now, and I forgot the, forgot the name of it. But yeah, I went and watched Dave Pierce. It was un- unbelievable, so good that euphoric oh, again. Yeah. 
Were you listening? Sorry to interrupt you. I'm just gonna. I was just gonna ask. Were you listening to those guys? Was that the sort of era when Jules and and, and Dave were on Radio One? Like, were you listening to that stuff on? Were you listening to those shows on Radio One as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I started listening to I like because I love Dave Pierce's show. Love Judge, love Judge Jules. You know, Judgment Day. Um, yeah, I, I really people f- people forget the. I think the importance of those radio shows back then, like that's not to diminish anything that the guys do now at all, obviously, but this was pre Spotify. It was pre um, Shazam. It was pre YouTube to an extent. So it was like Danny Ramplin, Pete Tong, Judge Jules, um, Dave Pierce, like those shows just, they told you what the fucking records were. They cemented what was huge. Um, you know, and I know people that, like, you know, at school when it would be like, there'd be tapes passed around. It'd be like, oh, this is Jules's from, you know, oh, this is the Dave Pierce thing. And people would obviously record it from the radio and then we'd all listen to it and stuff. And like, again, that's not to diminish what it is now, but we know as well, especially as DJs and producers, there's so many sources to find music. There's so many, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't literally listen to every podcast, every release. I mean, it would take you, I don't know how long to listen to every Beatport release that came out today. Um, but, you know, back then, the importance of those radio shows cannot be understated. Um, so It was very, very important, you're right. When I would just listen to you, Ed, it, you you're so so right. Like, li- listening to that music, it was like, oh my God, what's this, what's this, what's this, what's this, what's this? Um, but like you say, it, it is completely changed, hasn't it? Uh, yeah. I always think to myself about being like a DJ producer in this area, how amazing, you know, would it have been back then? Because I know, like, I don't know about how you feel about it, Felix, with like social media sort of thing. Like, it's it's a job, it's a, it's a whole job in itself you know because i love djing i love music producing i love searching for music and then it comes to like the social media and i'm just like ah. you know it's it's so difficult because i think of all those djs you know back then there was no social media um for them and and it, what, what an era that would have been you know to turn up with your records and and play this set and people word of mouth look at this dj look at her energy look at this you know apart and instead of being just you know on, on instagram and stuff it's just a completely Different, well, different way, way of world in the DJ, DJ world now. We'll go off tangent just for a second, but it's important. I think that I should ask you this question: Do you think that it's um, easier or harder for um, a female or a young woman to become a DJ and to get gigs? I don't necessarily mean maybe like a superstar, but even just is it? Would it be easier to break into the scene to get gigs locally, whether that be Leeds, Newcastle, London, and and again maybe even go higher? Do you think it's easier now with that level of social media and the exposure like SoundCloud and Instagram or do you think it's even harder? Yeah you, you know what it, it is thinking about it, it it's easier um, the reason why I think it's easier is because of this and I think it's easier for anybody um, to, to, to be to be honest you know you've got the, the gateway of doing live streaming um, which opens up to, for gigs which is I think can be a massive one especially since lockdown um, live streaming has been been really really on top of its game when I've been watching so many different DJs um, coming up on my social media and, and I've, I've, I've seen some really really good talent I mean you've got the you've got that for example you've also got I think you've got to have character as well um, nowadays um, behind the decks because yes you do have people um, coming in who, who can play the decks really really well but then you've got got to have that extra element um i think nowadays so like people love going to watch fisher why do they love going to watch fisher because he's got that character behind him he's funny it, on instagram he's really funny and i think you've got to 
at this minute, I think you've got to have it all. So for female DJs, I've seen so many female DJs coming up, um, you know, these last 12 months. It's been crazy. There's, um, you know, they're coming, they're stepping straight in, straight onto social media, straight onto Instagram, straight onto the live streaming. Um, you see, I, I, I think personally from, from um, my journey so far is production um, for a female is what I would love to see more of because um, there's not a lot of female producers out there. And I, I do think it takes you a step further um, in the DJ game of where you want to be at the minute. So um, that's what I'm looking for at the minute. Just listening to, I'm getting, you know, different females emailing me over uh, the music and stuff like that, which I love. And I, I'm just loving hearing there's, there's some really, really good talent there for the producers, you know, Fleur Shaw, Jess Bays. They're all coming up now. Um, and it's really, really good to see the female producers and DJs. Nice one. I think, I mean, shout out to Taylor Shipley as well. Like, I don't know if you're aware of Taylor. And and just, yeah, I mean, that's the one, I think, I think there's, again, an absolute wormhole that we could go down so many angles. But again, for me, like, what's great, what's great about social media, and there are plenty of things that aren't great about it. But one thing that's great about it, and especially in Taylor's example, go and check out Taylor Shipley if you don't know who we're talking about. But she's a very young female DJ. When I say young, I mean, way younger than being able to play in clubs or anything like that. And I think what social media has enabled her to do is to already start to be building a following, already to start to be learning and connecting with people by streaming her DJing at home, like you were just mentioning. Um, you know, I know she sent me some little bootleg edity things that she's done. Um, and I, that's not to belittle them. I mean, like I make little bootleg edity things. But like, what's great is social media has allowed her way before even been able to go to under 18 events that like you were talking about way yeah. before being able to hang around DJ booths and get chatting with people. It's allowed her to start building that. Um, now there's plenty wrong with social media, but yeah. there, there are, there are positives, I think. Um, so let's go. So we've, 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 sorry, Felix, I've got a bit of a positive as well. Actually, there's um, a DJ called DJ Taya, who's very young as well. Uh, you just reminded me of DJ Taya. She's she's amazing. Now she's into she's been into the bounce, and she actually asked me to remix one of my tracks. Um, and she remixed a, a track called uh, Ali, Ali B and myself called Take Me Back. She remixed it, made it into a bounce edit. Oh, unbelievable! The talent, and she's only really young as well. And, and it's mad because she's now making uh, bounce music playing bounce music but can't even get into a bounce event do you know what I mean it, like well she can for the under 18s but you know it's it's crazy isn't it See, seeing uh, the young talent like that y- yeah you're right you're right it does yeah and I think I think we I think there's a lot of the time and especially in this time that we're living in like it's very easy and you don't sound like one of these people but we all have our moments <laughs> me mainly we all have those moments when we sit back and we whinge and moan about what's not going right for us or what we don't like about things or blah 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 but you just made a really good point there about Taylor and everything else, which is like, try and use these things positively to your advantage. Do you know what I mean? And she's been able to reach out to you and find you in a way that would have been almost impossible 20 years ago. Do you know what I mean? Like, she, A, she might not have known about you. If she had known about you and she'd picked up your record in HMV, how the fuck is she going to get to speak to you and, and ask you and get these parts and stuff? So... I think that's, you know, a risk of, of just being contrite. Like, yeah, let's use these things to our advantage and, and be positive. And, you know, and that's how ultimately kind of I found you. I think I was following a trail of someone liking something and something commenting on something. And then 
I was like, oh yeah, I've heard a record before, but didn't put two and two together and then I put a face to it. And then suddenly you just like, I'm on DM and I'm like, look, I'd love to have a podcast chat with you. So it's like, try and use these things, you know, positively. Um, so we're going to, we're going to go back. So you've been in Ibiza, you've had these, these amazing times. You're coming back to, are you still living in Burnley at this point? Yeah, still in Burnley. So you're coming, no, there's nothing wrong, nothing wrong with the Northwest. So we're coming, we're coming back to Burnley. And then what, so what's your, have you managed in Ibiza? Did you sort of sneak up to the side of any DJ booths and watch anyone? Or like, at at what point are we starting to move things forward? What's the mindset on getting back to Burnley? Like, let's go through this next little bit of your journey. Right. Well, um, I'll be honest with you. When I went to Ibiza, um, when I was young, it was, I I was introduced to a completely um, mad world of music, um, a completely different mad life, um, I don't want to go too much into it, but yeah, I uh, I experimented a lot in Ibiza, and I was able. You can to... say what you want. You can say what you want in here, Nadia. We're a, uh, we're, a, we're, a, we're a family. We we understand what goes on in the world. Yeah, well, it was it was an introduction. I'm I'm young twenties. It was a music. It was you know um, the ecstasy uh, time and stuff like that. And it was wow. These everything just makes sense of um, how this you know how the music was able to to lift you up. Um, in that in that time was crazy i can't even explain to you the feeling and the emotion that that i felt you know being able to talk to people you know getting getting that loved up feeling of um meeting people and talking about music and and things like that and i remember just having a really good time um just just living that sort of life um i mean i remember coming back to burnley and i remember thinking you know i need to you know, I love the music because I went back to Ibiza again and it was the second time when I went um, that I started to meet ha- uh, Hannah Wants um, and I met, um, you know, Kathy Mambos. I ended up being able to get in behind Kathy Mambos into a VIP. I was uh, talking, pretend I was a Tunisian princess. I remember speaking. Um, <laughs> to this guy and I was like, oh, but, you know, and he was like, come in, come in. And I can't believe, honestly, Felix, for stories I could tell you, I went to Ibiza on my own that second time. Wow. 33 kilogram case. I'm going to Ibiza. I'm going to go and meet all these people. I'm going to have the best time. And honestly, the the situations I got myself in was really, really good. And I spoke to people who knew people, um, you know, promoters, events. I ended up working um, in Sankey's, um, meeting Rudimental, uh, j- just talking to so many different people while I was there. Um, and I had the best, best, best six months. Um, I did, ended up doing the full season. And that's when I come back and that's when the Dex was bought. And that's when it started. And I think it's so amazing because what you've what you've almost just like summed up in in like a sentence or a paragraph there is everything that we're not we is so much harder to do now, if not impossible. Like all that stuff about meeting people, networking, like being in parties, having those feelings, being loved up, meeting new friends, feeling of unity. Like that's all the stuff that has been taken away from us by like the virus and whatever's going on. I'm not getting political on the podcast, but like that what is what feel like it's been taken away from us. Um, and obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's been a hugely important part to generations gone by. Um, you know, and you listen to that, you touched on it and we're not going to go there loads, but there's obviously there's that new BBC podcast, um, which I think is called like the history of ecstasy or something. If you haven't checked it out, give it a listen. It's, it's really amazing. And it's not all about that, but it all feeds into this same melting pot of experience, um, uh, 
influences and meeting people and networking and i think it's just an amazing sentence there that you know you went on your own you spent six months you met people and everything else um so you get back you i take it i've got a mindset which is fuck me i need to get into this i need to get some decks i need to get moving so what was the plan what was the how did you go about it what you know yeah what did you do when you got back what was those first steps into this new world See, when I got back, I had um, friends who I knew was actually DJs locally. So I opened out and I spoke to um, a gentleman called um, Chris Bell, CSB, um, who's now, you know, doing really, really well with his events. There was um, a guy called Chester, uh, Hotlight Detroit, and they all live quite local to me. So I reached out to them all. I was like, please help me. Start me off. What do we do? What decks do I need? You know, because I didn't know what what was going to be the best to learn on. You know, what headphones? Um, and you know what? They all did so much for me. They all come round. They was giving me lessons, no charge, just coming round, just all playing about in the room. Um, and from there, it just progressed, and I spent so much time, Felix. I absolutely loved it. That feeling when you, I can remember getting the two mixers, and you know, when you just got them so perfect, and you're just like the vocal from the left to the right, and everything's just working simultaneously. I can't even speak there, sorry. <laughs> and, and it just works so perfect. And that feeling that I got again, it t- it took me back to when I was in a beefer, when I was on that ecstasy, when I was dancing. It was like the same sort of feeling, even though I didn't have no drugs. And I was like, oh my god, this is what I need to be doing. And and then it just it just progressed from there again, and and it's crazy. I think it's. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned that about <clears throat> the DJs helping you, and I think that that's not a at all in any way shape or form a unique story to yourself like I know that I've helped a lot of like people who've asked about DJing in the past I know a lot of my friends have done and I know that I received some help when I was younger and I think it's just an important point to make that if there's anyone listening who's thinking about getting into it just reach out to people because I know so many people I mean we were talking about Taylor Shipley shout out to Ben Rainey like I know he's done a lot of help with you know with Taylor as other people have but what I'm saying is I think you would be surprised that if you just reached out to a couple of people that you respected um, and said look I'm trying to get into this you know what sort of you know headphones should I get what sort of controller or deck should I get you know I think you'd be surprised that almost all DJs all right maybe not don't reach out to Fisher but like local like you said local guys or girls in your area who are doing the sort of gigs that you're like or maybe I could do that in a year or two I think most of those people would would help you I do think it is and again, I'd be interested in your opinion on this. I do think it is quite an inclusive community as far as like DJs and stuff. And you were helped. Like, has anyone reached out to you for some help now that, you know, you're a little bit, you mentioned about music. Yeah. So has anyone reached out to you for a little bit of help about getting into DJing? Yeah, yeah. You know what? I do I do get um, a lot of people inboxing me. And I always, always say to them, you know, I, I took, um, you know, I, I bought these decks. I think this is good um, to start off with. I always give advice to people, you know, I, and I could never, never not. I just think if you've got dreams, pursue them. And, you know, I would always help anyone um, with anything like that. So um, I'm always giving advice um, to people of, um, you know, watching tutorials even because it, it has been hard work, hasn't it? You know, the last six months to be able to even get into like a DJ um, studio with people to, to be to teach. But, you know, to watch tutorials, to get the right decks, get get the right equipment, because I, I do think that's really important. Um, 
to start off on, I mean, you, you could be very silly and get some finance of five grand X and then team up later. Think, no, it's not for me. Do you know what I mean? So I <laughs> Everyone's been talking about those new three thousands, haven't they? Like you see the memes and they're like, no gigs, no, no <laughs> pioneer drops, new three DJ three thousand. But so going back to like your journey, so you start, you've got these help from some of the local guys and promoters and stuff. Um, obviously, you're practicing in 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 the house. Can you remember the first? DJ gig that you did sort of out and about to people that you didn't really know like talk us through that first experience yeah well the first gig I ever got was in Halloween it, it was local it, it was uh, in Blue Bar in in, in Burnley and uh, I remember playing like a three-hour set um absolutely loved it don't get me wrong I made mistakes it was my first set um but the energy that I had behind I absolutely loved it I thought oh, this is what I could do better and it, it's a learning format because after that I remember going you know trying to learn how to filter things down you know because I was just straight mixing at one point I just thought right this is how to do it just turn my wheel mixing and then I started to learn more about the effects and how, it, how I can um, mix things more, more more better into another but when I went to um, a place called Grenade in Burnley I remember doing my first one hour slot you know big club setting and honestly I, I, I don't know how I did it but I, I did such a good set and then they booked me then for a residency um so that was amazing and I carried on and then I got a set New Year's Eve in Wolverhampton which was my first out of town set it was New Year's Eve Wolverhampton people I've never met in my life um obviously the nerves it, it was I can't even explain to you how I was feeling I, I couldn't really settle I couldn't you know drink I was just so nervous I was on 10 till 11 and then Hot Light Detroit was on 11 till 12 so it's quite a big set that for, for somebody who's you know just starting off uh, it was like you can do it you can do it they had all this faith in me and again I did such a good set it, it was mad how it just worked um what I did and I'll be honest with you before I was going is I was um learning my set so much before I was going you know you know nowadays I'd, I'd turn up to a gig not prepared at all um because you never know what sort of crowd but for some reason I thought I'm, I'm gonna do this set here and I'm gonna make sure my cue points are here and it all set up because I didn't want to fail it was a big set um but I absolutely, I can't even explain to you, it was such a good set. I got so good good feedback that I ended up going back to Wolverhampton doing a few more gigs um, in the future. Um, so I, just for any new and upcoming DJs, don't worry, um, you know, about making sure that your set is perfect. Don't worry about... Um, you know, making a couple of mistakes. Don't don't worry. You know, it's going to happen. Like you could, people can be really hard on, on themselves, can't they? And just think, oh no, that's not for me. I've done that. I've made that mistake. But honestly, like now, the mistakes I've made, it's made me who I am today. And 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 you're gonna you're gonna have them. But yeah, I've I've had a mad journey. Honestly, I keep going into it, Felix. But yeah, that's when it started. No, it's, New Year's Eve. Set. It's great. I think you you made a really good point there, which which I love is. Um, and there are these levels, like whether you think about them as a DJ or not, subconsciously or, <clears throat> or consciously, they are they exist. And there's obviously like there's that first gig, then there's like that first residency, and then you said it, which I loved. You're like, then there's the first out of town gig. Do you know what I mean? Then there's like the first like gig that you get on a plane to do, like an international gig. It's like your first Ibiza gig, and it's like 
And it's wicked and like, obviously, you know, however you achieve any of those things, it's amazing. But like, we should never forget how exciting those firsts are because, you know, like you say, we all look at Cox or Fisher or whatever. But like, I remember how excited I was that first time that I got on a train to do a gig, you know what I mean? And someone had booked me who I didn't know. And like, do you know what I mean? And like, it is, it is super exciting. Out of interest, like what sort of music were you playing at these gigs were you still in the trancey era at this point or would you moved or where where were you when you were doing these first gigs at like grenade and wolverhampton and stuff we went um in more deep house vocal sort of housey sort of vibes then um so i remember you know playing um sonny federa um you know uh, back then it was oh, that really deep bassy vocal house music it was like a step um because I remember there was jacking um, that sort of era um, with the jacking, but I, I wasn't DJing at that point. It, it sort of just switched um, by the time I was getting into it. So, yeah, it was that, and it was moving on to the tech. So it was sort of moving into your vocal deep housey and just building it up through the set. Because um, when I was playing with Hot Like Detroit, they're quite a tech tech duo. Um, so it, it changed um, it's mad how music just just changes all the time. But I'll, I'll go into that on, on what I'm doing in the, in the production thing of how it's changing. But yeah, it was more of the deep, deepy, housey vibes I started off on. Cool. Um, so and then, so how long ago? Just give me a kind of rough idea. How long ago? How many years ago was this? Um, was that Halloween and that New Year's Eve? It was around eight years ago now. But what am I now? Thirty. Seven, no, six, six years ago. Six years ago. So, so yeah. So, so, and um, feel free to to dart off um, in any tangent you want here. But where did we go then? From so, so five, six years ago. These are your first, very first gigs, very first residencies, very first out of town gigs. What has the journey been like since then? Crazy. Um, it, it's it's mad. So basically, what what I did after that. Um, I started uh, entering DJ competitions. Um, so w- w- I entered a, um, a competition. I ended up playing in Croatia. So this is where I'm starting to, wow, what's going on? So I ended up um, DJing in Croatia. I come back, won a DJ competition for Smirnoff, um, the, the equalising for female DJs. That allowed me to open up Warehouse Project um, wow. on a New Year's Eve gig. I mean, that was crazy. I remember doing... Um, I started like doing production um, at Make Me a DJ, and I was saying to him, "What do I do? I'm opening up this massive room. I've got Low Stepper on. I've got um, Hannah Wants. You know, it, these people I have watched and watched and played and played, and it was just one of the most incredible experiences turning up to Warehouse Project. You know, going through the back, being being a walk through where you've got this ice bucket with this spirit in, and you're like, ah, you know, with your name on it, and it, it was it was crazy, but I started, um, you know, thinking, wow, I can actually do this. I can actually be, be a DJ. You know, like, it's, it's happening. Um, but to win a competition for that warehouse project, you know, that that was, I can't even explain the feeling I got when I got that email. I was, <laughs> I'm not even going to scream because it will probably blow over your listeners' um, ears off, but I, I just couldn't believe it. It was crazy. But that, that was how it, how it really started, you know, just entering competitions, and um, and would yeah. you say that's would you recommend that? Like, it's not something, and this is no like, please don't think I'm being disrespectful to you or anybody else because you know, what I mean, Danny Howard's a Radio One resident now because of a DJ competition, but yeah. I, it's just it's never something that that I've done 
Um, I just think maybe where, when I was younger or the, the places I was looking, they weren't happening as much. But is it something that you would recommend to people out there now who are trying to get into DJing, like look for comps, enter them? Is it something you would recommend? Massively, yeah. The opportunities. I mean, there's, there's um, a female DJ called Rita, who, um, a friend of mine who won and ended up playing at Defecto Croatia. I mean, it opens up so many doors. Um, I, I would definitely recommend it. I mean, we all do a Mint Festival, um, obviously there was Warehouse Project Defected. They all put out a DJ competition. I think I think it's vital that you know you enter it because you just never know if you win that. You know that'll open you up so many doors. Um, and you know it's what it's what we all want and need um, as a DJ to be able to be put with with these people um, who, who who could further on your career. Do you know what I mean? So I would one million percent. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's a lot of the time now, correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of the time now to enter these DJ competitions, you sort of enter like a one hour SoundCloud mix or something, yeah, which yeah. means that like, that's a really good skill in itself. I mean, it's also, it's almost a skill that's been, that's been lost like the mixtape. I mean, I've discussed this on the podcast with previous guests about that thing where you would like set up your mini disc recorder and like get your decks and you would start and you'd be half an hour in and you'd fuck a mix up. So you'd have to start again because a lot of the time now, I don't, I'm not saying you do this. I certainly do it. If I'm asked to make a mix now, I make it on Ableton. Do you know what I mean? I don't go to my decks and, and record a mix. Now that might be lazy and I might get shut down, but a, a lot of DJs now, if they're asked to record a mix or something would make it in Ableton. So it, yeah. it is a lost it's a lost art form, really. And I think if I was listening to, if I ran a DJ competition and I, and I listened to the mixes, if I could hear someone had actually made it, because you can normally hear if someone's made it, because, you know, even if you're whatever, Cox or whatever, you can't DJ the way that you can make a mix on Ableton. And I think I would definitely give, I think I would definitely score someone higher if I could hear that they'd actually made the mix. <laughs> there was a slight movement there or there was a slight movement there in the mix as you were correcting it. And so I think I would definitely give people more credit if they'd actually recorded. Did you, for these ones that you entered and won, did you actually record one on yeah, your decks I and stuff? Really, really, really difficult in Ableton me, you know, I prefer, I just think, I just find it easier and more fun you know on the decks because i just love because you can hear the effects you can hear you know um doing my echoes and i just i just love love doing it but trust me i have been there when i've got 56 minutes in and thought fuck you know and then you think oh my god and i've done it where i've just thought i'm not doing it today turn them decks off i've had enough um but it, it, it is stressful and i do feel for people you know um who, who do put a mix out every month because i'm sure there's a lot of stress behind the scenes um to do something like that and i think that's probably why i haven't honestly kept up to doing um, a mixtape all the time, constantly, because there is them times where you do it and you think, nah, you know, I fucked it up, I fucked it up, because I've tried, I, I tried to do one in Ableton, you know, and I just, I don't know, I just, I don't, I couldn't feel for it for some reason. No, you're definitely, no, you, you, you are definitely right. It is, I mean, I feel like pathetic now. It is loads more fun. Like, you know, you open a can and you get on your decks and you have a mix. Of course, it's loads more fun. Um, I think for me, like just, just so I feel like I justify myself in some sort of pathetic manner. If like a radio station's like, you know, like we need a 30 minute mix for to support this release and we need it by Friday. A lot of the time I'm just like, oh look, I can just, and it sounds awful, but I'm sure so many people like listening will, will like, re- re- like resonate with it. But I'm just like, oh fuck, I just need this 30 minute mix. Do you know what I mean? And I'm unable and I'm like five minutes later, I'm like, boof, boof, bounce, send it to the radio station. And I'm like, 
done. Do you know what I mean? But you are totally right. Getting on the decks is like is loads more fun. And I think what what I used to do, and like again, this seems like even mad saying like what I used to do is I used to just record like if I was playing I would record my sets out and then I would edit out the best you know 30 minutes 40 minutes of them because for me um I guess for me in the way that I've existed for the last 10-15 years like I've been playing out two or three times a week I've been super super lucky in that respect so it was like even, and you touched on it before about saying, you know, and I, do, I used to do it, prepare your, your sets and your cue points. And obviously, like you said now, you just sort of go out with a big bag of music and you just go and play. So for me, it would be like, what was quite nice about recording a set in a club would be that it, would, it wouldn't really be planned and I wouldn't really be thinking about the, I'd be thinking about the music, but in a totally different way than if I was at home trying to record a mix. I would yeah. be looking at the crowd, I would be in the vibe, there'd be someone in my ear asking for this record or they'd be like, I'd see the reaction to that previous record and go, oh, I'm going down there. So there's definitely something loads more fun about it. On you a production. I was just thinking, you know, about people asking in your ear. There was a time when I, <laughs> there was a time when I played um, in Burnley, and, and uh, it was like a, a tech night. And I remember playing, and a guy coming up to me, and he was ironing my life out of me. Please, 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 please. So I'm mixing. Please, please. So it was like, can you please play Storms? They're too big for your boots. And I was like. Can't play that. It's a tech night, you know. I can't. I can't play that in here. And I remember saying, "Just, just plug my phone in. Just plug my phone in." Anyway, I was just like, the the, the amount of requests I've had from that is you just made me laugh. And it's a funny thing with DJ when people come up to you asking you for the most sort of crazy request. Completely. Oh different. yeah. Just, have you heard the music that I'm playing? Like, what are you on about? <laughs> um, so production-wise, we'll we'll come back to DJ. And don't worry, and, and feel free to to bring it back there whenever you want. But production-wise. Obviously, you did the um, the stuff at, at Burnley College. You've obviously yeah. then started to think about it more. What were those first... And you obviously identified, which I think is so true and so crucial these days. I think it would be almost impossible to never mind break through like into like a big level, like a Hannah Wants level. But I think even very difficult to get to that level of being booked in other cities without having some sort of musical output these days, even if it's just, and this is not a disrespectful comment, but even if it's just a super high level of like bootlegs and edits and stuff, which is what I started doing. So what was the kind of like, what was the journey and the story of you getting back into into production? Like just talk us through that a little bit because it is super fucking daunting, like for anyone. So tell us a little bit about how you started to get back into it and how you've done so well. Yeah, well, um, with the local, like I say, always reach out to local people because I had, luckily, I had um, Hotlight Detroit, um, who was already big producers, and he was saying to me, you know, I think, Nadia, that you need to get into production. I think it will really help your journey. Come to my house. I'll sit down with you. And I sat down with him, and we made two tracks together. And I watched him. It was amazing to watch. Um, He was on Logic at the time because I'm doing it on Ableton at the minute it's quite it's mad how, how I've changed but it was on Logic and we was doing um uh, we made something called Candy and then I went into a studio and I actually recorded my own vocals onto a track I wanted to see how that works because I've got a, quite a creative mind very very creative so um I actually went in and did all my um vocals watched how we put it in watched how it was recorded and and placed into the mix and um it started off from there um and then I thought, you know what, I want to get into it. I want to do it fully myself. I want to I want to start this production journey. Um, and I went to make me a DJ and I was lucky to learn from Creature. 
in Manchester. Um, so I did a um, a course with him, um, and, and we, you know, made made a couple more tracks there. And then from there on, I've just sat down and I've done so many tutorials. I've worked um, with a guy called Michael Conroy. It's been great to be able to work with different people, you know, to watch how different people produce because there's so many different things I've learned. You know, so many. Um, so many extra touches and it's it's great to be able to work with so many different people um it definitely helps but i'm um i'm i did like a i'm now starting to do like a, a producing with tool room academy um of a more um you know a forwarded one um not beginners i forgot what it's advanced, called now yeah like an advanced one yeah advanced sorry advanced yeah so um i just think always learn always 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 um you know i've got a big book in my drawer here writing down all sorts of different things you know i remember starting off you know swing and making sure everything was right and i I just got a big book just full of like you know like you say maths loads of fractions loads of mad stuff going on but um it's been it's been a mad journey it's been a mad journey on my production but i feel now after like four three, three to four years that i'm starting to really like the sound that I'm making because I've made so many tracks I've never put out like I'm like no 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 I can't do that and I always get in trouble saying you should have put that out it's a good one you should have done that because I, I, I think all, all producers stand for that sometimes where you think is it all right is it not all right and you start doubting yourself but now I've just got this confidence of just just let it go out see what happens you know um and it's it's done really well well I think you, really you mentioned well. before we started recording that you'd listened to the um the got podcast and I think yeah. the thing that really stands out for me from chatting to, to to Ollie, like, is that like just making it sounds really stupid, but making music for yourself that you really like. Because I mean, I, I've been definitely guilty in the past of chasing a certain sound or chasing a certain artist or label, and then you're just trying to make something that you think is what you should be making, and 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 that's totally fine if that's what you want to do, but when you end up with that track and no one plays it or, or the guy that you want to play it doesn't play it and the label that you want to sign it doesn't sign it then i i tend to find that you then felt really like you know you you t- tended to like hate that track and you and you and you had real resentment yeah. towards it whereas now i tend to make records and this is what got said i just make records for myself and, and like ultimately if no one signs that record then i'm like yeah but i still love it <laughs> like so i don't really you know I, I do care if that label doesn't sign it or, or this dj doesn't play it but guess what i can still sit and listen to it myself and go i fucking really love that and like that's what's what i found has been important how did you i have you used any of your vocals on a track that you've released yet then yeah which track's that Ah, it's called Ketslot, don't ask. It's when I went season in a but um, I'm really creative. So what I did is I made this track because obviously it was it was ripe in a beef, and I thought I'm going to come back. I'm going to be creative. I'm going to make a, a track called Ketslot. Um, so I did some vocals. I got the keys jangling. I got me, you know, going, and I put like a really, 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 really like deep, um, deep sort of techie vibe through it, and. Um, I always have people messaging me that way, even about it, saying, oh, we just listened to Ketzlop, we were people in London not so long ago, and it was all the, um, when, when my son was out, and the message was saying, oh, we just got a Ketzlop on, and we were tagging me in things, but that that's a track, and um, at first I thought, ah, now I think, oh my God, if you put me put me in on YouTube and put it on, you know, Nadia Lucy Ketzlop, I think, oh my God, but do you know what, I, I'm so proud of it, because it's just something that come from the heart, um, it come from that time, 
how, how I was feeling at that at that minute and it, it was crazy but yeah if you haven't listened to it you can hear me doing a few sexual noises through the microphone don't even ask but you know what I think it works well I do as, I do think as it works soon well. as we stop recording this podcast that's what I'm going to go and find on YouTube <laughs> uh, no I think it's a really I think that's that point is really is really interesting as well like that making something in and of the moment because I know that like I mean I was in the studio yesterday working on something and it's just like such a big cheesy disco feel good happy thing because at the minute like I don't want to make a dirty underground club record because I've got no dirty clubs to play them in and like and I'm feeling a bit like you know a bit down or whatever and like just being like bopping around and like singing along to this like disco thing and and I'm totally like you like I'm sort of like driving home going do I is it too cheesy is it like but like it's it's of the moment do you know what I mean and like hopefully in five years time or 10 years time when things are different again and like you know clubs are open again and I look back and listen to that and go but I just needed to fucking make that then do you know what I mean like that's just where my head was at and it was of that time of I I couldn't go to a club on a Friday and Saturday and test my new you know techie thing or whatever and I was just like do you know what I want to feel happy and sing along and, and all the rest of it so I think you make a really good a really good point about that I mean talk us through the first track that you sort of got signed and released like was that about 2016 or something yeah it was it was um it was with abyss uh, digital it was Ketzlot. um so that was my first first signing it was that one um and jailbird so i i remember the creative mind i was i'd woke up from a dream and i'd been in this prison and i've and i've had this guy this warden you know putting his baton across the um you know the jail cell and i thought oh my god that'd be a really nice sound so, you know, I always went onto YouTube samples, that there, got some sirens, got all that sort of stuff. I was I was really creative um at doing things like that. So Jailburn and Ketzlot come out. Um and and it did really well. I mean, I would I thought that uh, Jailbird would have done a lot better, but no, Ketzlot was was the one um that everyone really enjoyed to listen to. I don't know if it was my sexual noises <laughs> or the actual I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah that was my first ever signing um and how have you, how have you because, found like how have you found the whole process of writing producing like sending off to labels like yeah how have you found that as a process because it is quite alien to everyone who doesn't everyone who hasn't done it doesn't know what that sort of process is like and what's it been like for you it's difficult it's really 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 difficult there's going to be so many times like this i can't even explain to you the amount of times that i've sent an email off or i sent a track to bbc introducing even or um you know uploaded it and or messaged or dm'd and just it's just never been seen it's never been listened to um you know they've never replied and it is it is difficult and you will get knocked down and knocked down and knocked down but I'll take you back again I always think about Eminem how many times was he knocked down how many times did he he, he find it tough um, so you, you are going to find it tough and, and and even to this day I find it quite quite hard work but it's seeming to get like um, a bit better now because you know the, the labels that I've sent out a track to you know they've been so good helping out on the promo making sure that it's sent to the right people the right emails to get it listened to so i've been really lucky um we, we're releasing my latest um on coda recordings because they've absolutely smashed it for me and you know it, the promo that we've put and all the effort and work behind the scenes that goes into it, it it's amazing but i'm hoping now that's my name 
will start being looked at and that people will start opening the emails because I can imagine we do get thousands and thousands and thousands I'm sure I mean there's been times even with tool room where, where they'll say we're going to get an A&R live feedback and you you sat there with all these people thinking please listen to mine please listen to mine and you know and, and sometimes you don't and you feel like, for God's sake you know keep going keep going but you know it'll cut it'll 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 come off hopefully um, i think i think my, my thing is like and i think you've you've summed up there very articulately what it's like for everyone and i think within reason everyone feels the same even people who you think are doing really well i don't mean you here like you know people who we yeah. think are doing really well still get you know they don't listen to stuff they still get fit you know not taking that record like you know and, and it's even the same that tracks that have gone on to be huge we all know you know the, the famous stories about stuff but there are still tracks that have been you know i mean i saw scott diaz like talking about a track that he self-released and people told him it wouldn't do any good and labels this and labels that and as soon as he brought it out himself it got supported by all kinds of people and did really well and it's like it's not just like you or me or your mate it's everyone in this industry does find it difficult yeah. um but i think one thing that comes to my to me is like i just i just like i guess everyone in their own pursuits and their own careers i just it just feels in me like i have ideas all the time i want to make stuff yeah. all the time so even if i even if my stuff was you know not getting signed even if it was i think i would set up my own label and i'm, I'm you know i'm thinking about it but like I just think it's in you. Like like you said, you're a very creative person. You wake up, you have this idea. So yeah, it's amazing that, that Cat's Look got released. But even if it hadn't been released, you just still made it because yeah. you feel like you have to. Um, so like, like, so what's, what is, what would this year have looked like? Let's, let's wind back to January, February in this year um, before we all sort of, you know, got locked down by the pandemic. What would this year have looked like to you? How was the plan? What was what was in the diary what has, has anything changed studio wise like what were you thinking you know coming into this year that's now obviously been changed oh i'll say this for everyone i think everyone was 2020 is our year everyone was like i'm gonna do this i had a set plan um ready to go as soon as it was first of january let's do this let's let, let's let's smash it um, and then obviously all the shit happened but um i was i was looking at traveling I, i've got a residency um as well with um battle cancer which is like a functional fitness and and i've traveled all over the world i've been able to play in los angeles berlin uh, madrid and that that was great just taking it back to the dj and um where i was doing eight hour sets and that the, the, it was working up you know from the uh, the um old school to the deep house working my way up all the way through tech house techno to trance even a bit of donk in the end um so i, I love play, playing those eight hour sets so I, I had quite um a lot of gigs with them this year coming up so you know i was meant to be in iceland never been to iceland so how did that so come I, so how did that come about sorry to interrupt how did you because you've 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 described greatly the eight hours but how did that come about how did that residency come about and what's it for yeah so um there was um a gentleman in burnley who'd heard my music and djing and he'd set up um a, a charity um fitness competition called battle cancer so it was um it started off um in manchester and it's sort of like a functional fitness event where they have um so many different groups um gyms you know people who, who are going through cancer people who survive cancer um just even people just just normal people at the gyms and stuff like that to come together um to for a competition to raise money 
um, you know, and they've done so well. Um, they've raced thousands and thousands. I, I think it was like forty, fifty thousand on on the first event. Um, so, so it's been incredible and. It started off in Manchester, then it went to London, um, and then Dublin, and then next minute, you know, they ring me up, they say, right, Nadia, you're going to Los Angeles. So I went to Los Angeles playing in the gyms and stuff like that, which was a mad experience. I got to see Salado, um, VIP in, in a club in, in LA, which was mad because it, it was like full of men. Uh, there was not a lot of women in there, you know. I'm just at the front, but it was it was a lot of men in them clubs. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was um, a fantastic experience, and I own I own so much um, to them for, for for what the journey that they've given me. You know, being able to travel over the world and speak to people because I'm always commented me on my energy behind my decks. Um, so doing an eight hour set, I do not stop dancing. I, 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 this is why I feel like I'm getting a belly in that this year because. I haven't been able to do any sort of dancing or anything this year. Just foot tapping on my decks, you know, in my room and stuff like that. I haven't been able to really stomp out. But, um, yeah, Battle Cancer has been been a massive thing for me um, and, and really enjoyed it. But I had that this year and then obviously I was ready for, for my production to take up another step. You know, I really wanted to release um, stuff. I was getting stuff ready to release, ready for the festival seasons and um i was going to again you know enter any competitions i could um and, and just try and get my name out there as much as possible i really wanted to get more on the social media side of it because i do feel like the social media does let me down a little bit you know because sometimes i just find it really difficult to be able to post every day and what to post about and things like that i've, I've found social media quite a difficult aspect of my journey to be honest yeah i think it's i think it's difficult um i mean i think it's difficult in the best of times, and 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 even if we relate DJ life to to like you know normal life, you always look you're always looking to that person who looks happier or looks more successful or who looks like they're doing better things, and it's like I always know that like you know I'm looking at like Patrick Toppin's timeline or I'm looking at do you know what I mean like yeah. Will's timeline like those stuff and you're like why am I not doing that gig and why am I not in this airport and why and it's I think I think sometimes you know you you are wise to 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 remember that you're really in a race with, only really in a race with yourself like and, and you know it's not about trying to compete with someone else it's just trying to do the best that you can do but i, I think you're right i mean i i'm the same i i struggle with it i'm not one for like really liking to post you know silly videos and things like that you know i, I find it difficult um and i think yeah and we as dj's i think like to post about gigs we like to post about music <laughs> we like to so it's yeah. like suddenly when that when you feel like that's taken away from you in a way it yeah, like, yeah it feels difficult to know what to post um and and yeah i think this it's a difficult it's been a difficult time so i mean we're obviously now aware that the next six months are going to be in a way again for clubs in the uk you know non-existent essentially where and this is like a I'm, I'm aware that this is a um a question which is basically forming in your own head as we speak so don't worry about the the absolute specifics of the answer but where are you at now thought wise looking forward what are you even beginning to think about what are you beginning to plan are you aren't you what you know where's your head at, at the minute looking into um 2021 and beyond it's a it's a scary time because we just don't know what's around the corner. I mean, this year has been. I, I see some funny memes of you know if if you see buddy 
like buddy what was it now like a buddy's blown up balloon skeleton you know is it real is it not real it's 2020 what's going on um so what i'm thinking I'm, I'm honestly trying to keep positive i put this on my instagram the other day is please you know this is going to affect mental health massively that's what i am most scared about i'll be honest with you i think um a lot of people, you know, look, even DJs and non-DJs look to go out to socialise, to listen to music. You know, it's their, it's, it's their happiness to be able to, go, to get out of the house with people that live alone. You know what I mean? There's a lot of aspects of it, but what I thought is get some achievements ready for 2021. You know, keep going. Um, I'm going to keep producing. Um, like, like we said at the beginning, it is quite a difficult time of do I release this? Do I not release this? Um, but I am gonna, I am gonna carry on releasing music. I am gonna try and save some, some of the best ones I feel for 2021. And I'm just hoping and praying that it does, it does get better because I'm just worried um, about the nightlife. I'll be honest because you just don't know who's gonna be able to survive. Um, and I hope that clubs do reopen again. And, you know, it, it, it is a scary time and I don't want to put a negative aspect on, on what I'm saying. But, you know, it is real life. It is what we're all thinking about. Um, but I do. I am going to continue. I am going to continue to produce. I am going to continue to DJ. Um, I'm going to try and get as many mixes out as possible um, and, ju and just crack on, really. I'm just going to keep feeding music to everybody's kitchens. Those reviews, those like 2020 review mixes are going to be because yeah. who's gonna be like yeah this was the tune of ibiza like it just it, yeah. it's gonna be all those like 2020 review mixes at the end of the year is gonna be gonna be so mad i mean i think you you touch on a an incredibly important point about mental health i i've realized with with being in the in the fortunate position that i was of djing out so often i've realized just what a huge part of me that was because it's such a different experience sitting in the studio or or out and about with your, with your your earphones in. It's a different experience listening to music like that than it is listening to music in a club, in a festival, with people, getting feedback, all the rest of it. And, and I found that that really affected me. Um, and I've also seen, you know, lots of people, you know, doing posts. And I do think it's important that if you are feeling down, like as a, you know, whether you're a DJ or not, but if 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 within our community feeling down, reach out to people because there's going to be never ending amount of DJs and producers and even clubbers or you know lighting techs or bar managers that that are going to be there to speak to you. And you know, I, I think that's really important. And you make that I make a very important point about how people are feeling. Yeah, it's massive. It's massive. I, I put it on it. It's a worry, but you know, it's it's just for people to try and you know change that thought process of. You know, there will it, 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 there will be better days coming. There will be. You know, there's no doubt about it. There will be, um, and we've just got to all stick together because I, I've seen posts of people, you know, saying, you know, I've lost it. I've lost my, um, you know, that that passion at the minute. You know, I'm feeling a bit run down and stuff. And and I can imagine it's going to be really, really difficult for so many people. But you're right. We're all there for each other, no matter what, um, no matter who you are, and. Um, we just got to stick together and just get through this crazy, crazy madness. Nice one. Well, we're going to start wrapping it up. We've got two things that we're going to do at the end. Um, the first one is I'm going to ask you for like a dream gig. Um, now, this is like in the moment in, in the sense of like we are within this middle of this you know, pandemic. We've not had clubs. We've not had a season of festivals. So 
this is just in the moment how you're feeling now. I'm going to ask you for like a dream gig that you're going to kind of create. Um, so first of all, I want a venue where it's going to happen. It can be somewhere that you've been, somewhere that you've played. It can be somewhere that you would like to go or like to play, or it can be a generic thing like a, a huge festival or an underground club. So it can be, you can name Amnesia, you can name Grenade, you can name whatever. But first of all, we're going to have a venue where this, this gig takes place. And then we're going to have three acts. Now, these acts can be anything from like a Daft Punk live thing to a DJ, to a DJ back to back, to a back to back to back, whatever you want. There's not particularly like a hierarchy. So it's not like warm up middle headline. There's sort of, you know, three co-headline acts, if you will. Um, and that, yeah, and you can be creative, dead or alive, open, closed, whatever. This is just a sort of dream gig that potentially we could go to this weekend. You can play on it if you want. You don't have to. You can put yourself in a back-to-back. You can put yourself on your own, or you can just go. Um, we've had every kind of possible, um, you know, joined-up version of this in the podcast in the past. So, Nadia, first of all, where is this gig show going to happen? It's going to happen in a place called Tall Trees at Beat Festival. That's where we're going to have it. All those trees were surrounded by all those fairy lights, all that dark, quite warm air. So please, can we have it in the summer? Um, really nice warm air, all those lights. That 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 place there is magical. I can't even explain. If no one's ever been to Beat Erda, wow. And who is going to be on this bill? Uh, do you know what I'd have? I'd have Darius Sarosian. Yeah. I'd have Bicep. And I'd have Gorgon Sitter. Nice. Well, I think that is a solid... I'm not going to put myself on it, but I would love to, but I think I'm going to make room for them three on this one. Well, that's what we'll do is just in this occasion, because ultimately it's just our chat and we can do what the fuck we like. So we'll add you, we'll add you as a warm up for that, for that, for that, for those three. That seems, that seems heavyweight. Now, I know the answer that I would like you to give to this last question, but feel free to, to give what you want. Um, I'm going to ask you to name a track to play out um, the podcast. So if people have been listening for the last hour, uh, again, it's just as, it's just in the moment right now with you. Um, you can name one of your own records, of course. You can name someone else's record. You can go way back to a donk thing or a trance thing that kind of you know resonates with you. You can name something you literally heard yesterday. It's not a. It's just a sort of a way to play out the podcast. You'll name it. I'll get, make sure I've got it off you in post, and I'll add it in. But I'd just like you to introduce this record. Oh, first of all, before I do that, if people want to find out more about you on um, the internet, just hit us with some some links or some social handles where people can go and find out more about you and more about your music. Yeah. So Facebook, uh, Nadia Lucy Music. Instagram, Nadia Lucy. Twitter, Nadia Lucy. Um, I am setting up um, a YouTube channel. Um, that's what I'm going to start doing. That's that's uh, on my tick list. You can find me on Spotify. Uh, but yeah, nice one. So so I want you to introduce this record, and then I want you to explain why you think people should hear it right now. Oh, oh there's a few in my brain, Felix. There's a few in my brain, but. Do you know what? Um, if it's one, if it's one, I think we should do it with with the cat slot. I think if we can. That was what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> there was a few of my brain thinking now, but you know what? Because we spoke about it, that was the start of my journey. That was where um, you know 
what what was going on around the for at that time. I'm sure quite a lot of people can relate. So yeah, let's do Nadia Lucy Ketsu. I don't think I've ever been as happy on this podcast when someone's named the track they're going to play it out with. Thank you so much, Nadia. It's been a pleasure to speak to you, and I hope to see you in a club soon after uh, all this is over. Goodbye. Definitely. Thank you, Felix. Thank you so much. Take care, everyone. Felix Leiter's In The House, the podcast about DJs, what they do and who they are.